0: Hey there, folks. I'm Bryce Holdaway. He is Ben Kingsley, and we are the co-authors of the Armchair Guide to Property Investing, How to Retire on $2,000 per week. We're super excited to bring this new podcast to you, where we unpack all of the chapters inside our best-selling book that's now sold over 22,000 copies and counting, so that you can design the lifestyle that you want on the way to a passive income of $2,000 per week. So dive in, enjoy each episode, as you get the behind the scenes on the best-selling book, The Armchair Guide to Property Investing.
1: Well, g'day everyone, how are we all this afternoon? Ben, it's that time. G'day mate, how are it's you? It's time, I'm time great, again. how are you? Good buddy, Yeah. Good.
0: Hey, for those folks who've uh, just joined us, I'm Bryce Holdaway. He is Ben Kingsley, and we are the hosts of the Property Couch Podcast. And what we've been doing now, Ben, this is the fifth week we've been doing it. Yes, we've been reading out all of the chapters in our uh, in our best-selling book, where we sold well over twenty thousand copies. And so today we're up to a formula. We're going to we're going to dish out a formula today. Mm, big um, one too. Which is pretty exciting. But um, I'm, to, I'm just going to quickly tell you the uh, the other chapters that we've gone through, Ben. Yeah, sure. Uh, cause that's, first chapter was uh, building your own base. Got that. Um, you did that one? problem. Yep. Second chapter was the psychology of investing. Yes. Now, this will test me if I can get to the, uh, the pages quick enough. Third chapter <laughs> was the five, five essential. essential steps. Yes. Uh, you remember that, don't you? And then the fourth chapter, Ben. Uh, I'll tell you what the fourth chapter is, if I can turn the page, here we go, The Fundamentals of Investing. Mm. And now the fifth chapter is the Property Investment Formula. Mm-hmm. So um, what, we're, what we're doing, folks, is uh, instead of just going and reading through the book uh, word by word, we're actually just pulling some of the anecdotes out, Ben, and uh, giving a few behind the scenes on what it was like for us to write the book, uh, bring, bring it all together. And what's really interesting is we wrote this, uh, said this a couple of times now, Ben, we wrote it back in 2015, published mm-hmm. in 2016. And uh, the concepts stack up in 2020, don't
1: they? They do, they do. This, And you get this formula right, job done. Because it Top really encapsulates everything in terms of what you actually need to do to invest. So chapter five is sort of the centre of the book and it's sort of the pillar that holds the whole book up. How's that? Did you like that?
0: <laughs> did you like yeah, it? did It's like
1: it. the centre of the book it's that it. holds the whole thing up. Problem. Yes. That's
0: the fulcrum. All right. Let's uh, let's reveal the formula, Ben. You want to kick it off? Well, so what is ABCD?
1: Yes. Well, asset selection is number number one. That's the A. Yep. Um, look, it is. Yeah. Asset selection, and the focus on asset, asset selection is not all properties created equal, Bryce. So, we do know that uh, you can't just pick any asset and go out and buy it because if you if you do that, you're not necessarily going to get the best optimized return that you're looking for. So, we talk about asset selection in terms of Uh, With every different marketplace and sub-marketplaces, you want to be going after the assets that are going to give you the best return based on also your needs. Now, what I mean by that is it's all well and good that if I have $500,000 to spend and I could comfortably afford a loan for that figure, that I would try and get the asset that gives me the highest return possible. But the reality is, in some cases, so many people are reliant on the income that comes with that asset that sometimes they've got to hedge their bets a little bit. So we talk about different types of asset selection. So we've got high growth assets, we've got balanced assets, which gives a nice blend between income and also growth. And then finally, we've got cash cows, which are really focused on yield play. So it does depend in terms of what your overall strategy is. But what we really want to focus in for asset selection is trying to minimise the risk, in terms of buying an ordinary asset in an ordinary location.
0: You're right Ben, what we wanted to do is, because um, the, the the challenge with some books, Ben, is you can you can pick up a book like ours, like any of the other property investing books on the marketplace, and you can actually go, all right, well, it says to buy property, and property uh, doubles every seven to 10 years on mm. average, so therefore all I'm gonna do is go out and buy a property, and mm. we wanna actually dispel that myth, and we wanna do that right now, that just by putting your name on a title is not enough, And it it actually is probably the number one rookie mistake that people actually make. Um, You'd agree, Ben, that the the idea of buying an investment property is, is for a lot of people, a a bit of a stretch anyway. Mm. So the thought of buying an investment property is an emotional process that they need to go through to actually expand their mind to do it. And then once they've done that, it's like, okay, let's just get a property. Whereas we go go to some lengths and, and even on page... 107. Yes. yes, The asset selection framework. We go from the micro to uh, the macro to the micro. micro. So we start at state level Mm. because uh, one of our biggest bugbears is, and we get we get asked a lot, don't we? Where, what's your opinion on the property market? It's Mm. like, well, which property market? So we need to go, are we at which state or territory level? Which is moving in the particular part of the cycle, and therefore then drill down and go, okay, I've identified if I'm a borderless investor, I'm going to be in. Queensland or South Australia or Tasmania, and then we have to go down to suburb level because uh, we we say it uh, all the time on our podcast, Ben, location does 80% of the heavy lifting. So if that is true, we actually need to look at suburb before we look at property, right?
1: Yeah, you do. And you need to understand the laws of supply and demand in a big way here, right? Um, Because you can also still potentially do the right searching um, after you've done your research. Because that's the other thing we also talk about, searching is not research. You've got a f- fundamental research is all about getting to the understandings of demand and supply. But you can then identify a suburb that's showing really strong interest, but then go and buy a silly asset in that suburb. Um, and from our point of view, that would include a medium or high density um, product that could be replicated easily in a certain location. So, you could, so you've got to be very particular about the asset because ultimately, What underpins the value of the asset is the land. So the land to asset ratio is a really critical component of the research that you want to be doing in this particular area and that's why when we get to that sort of localised um, component we're also then focusing in on the scarcity and the owner-occupier appeal of that and we've we've spent countless days, hours, weeks, months, years um, studying this um, element of human interest and human behaviour and and all of those sort of concepts around what it is that's driving value and and what's so important about that, which puts the pressure on um, the capital growth or the valuation of that property moving forward. So there's a lot of stuff that we could could spend all day on here, Bryce, but that gives you a really nice indication in regards to um, where we see asset selection as part of that formula.
0: True, Ben. So if you want to actually get access to that, you can get that framework, as Ben said, we go through a fair bit of detail because we think it's really important that you focus on the framework the, the right way. Mm-hmm.
1: But, um, I, I think that's best summarised by the fact that we always take, you know, f- from, a, from a property point of view, people who, are, who get a sense of um, desire to own that asset, like if 70% of the property market is owned and controlled by owner-occupiers, then they buy with their hearts and the emotion, they don't necessarily buy with their head. So one of the other great takeaways where we're talking about character and we're talking about new versus old, is if you design a property um, that has really strong owner-occupier appeal, the reality is that if you ever have to sell that property, it's gonna be done under competition, and that competition is gonna drive up the return of that particular property. So that's also another nice little takeaway that we talk about in there.
0: Very true Ben, so um, that's uh, asset selection B is for borrowing power and um, we talk about buying investment property is just as much a game of finance as it is a game of bricks and mortar because when you're buying a house for yourself to live in, it's all about location, your sister lives down the street or the schools around the corner or you've got all the lifestyle drivers that you as an an emotional being want to surround yourself with. But uh, When you're buying investment properties, it's a game of actually, it's a a game of buying, um, sure, if you buy one investment property, that's better than doing nothing, Ben, mm. because you can hold it for the long term. Yep, gives you gives you lots of choices, right? But unfortunately, in our experience through doing this professionally um, over twenty plus years, and both of us investing for personally for over twenty years, um, we haven't seen too many people create a meaningful retirement outcome for themselves that's ongoing um, with only one investment property. So, if that's the case, if if you need somewhere between three and five investment properties, you're going to have to understand lending. You're going to have to understand how to structure lending and you're going to have to understand that lending is so much more than just going to the bank and saying, what's the best interest rate you've got or what's the lowest establishment fees? Because you need to be able to set yourself up for success. So it's more about having a borrowing strategy Yes, is is, is more important than just having a borrowing capacity, isn't it?
1: Yeah, that's right. I mean, the the blend of borrowing um, and cash flow is absolutely critical and there is a a, a distinct difference between... Money and cash flow. Um, And I want to sort of just delve into that a little bit more to try and explain that. But a lot of people just think that their savings uh, is really their cash flow. Well, it's obviously not. Cash flow comes in many forms. It can come in in terms of the working income that you do. It can come in in terms of the investment income that you get, i.e. the rent that you're getting on a property. But it can also come in the form of equity, our nor savings. So you know we're seeing through these difficult times right now that you know when you 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 may have um, cash flow but no savings and if that cash flow goes then you're cooked. All right. So what you need to be able to do is get that blend right in terms of releasing that equity, having those buffers in place, and making sure that you're segmenting your borrowings correctly so you can separate deductible debt from non-deductible debt. So there's a blend of things that are going on between borrowing power and coming back to that point that I was making around um, cash flow is not necessarily just money management. Cash flow is buying yourself time and understanding the fluctuations that occurred during that piece. And the borrowing power is about going to the bank with your income story and getting that amount of money that you need to be able to facilitate the execution on accumulating more than one property that Bryce was telling you about. So if you think about it like that, What we're basically saying is the accumulation of two, three, four really good properties um, can set any typical Australian household up for life um, as they go through that. But if you don't set it up correctly and you don't have then that access to, to borrow that money, then you won't get there. So that's why borrowing power and borrowings are a critical element of the property investment formula.
0: Very true, Ben. Second pillar is B for borrowing power and concepts like um, uh, how much deposit do you have? Are you going to be cross-securitized? Do you know what lender's mortgage insurance is? Should you have a variable interest rate? Should it be fixed? What about offset versus redraw? There's, there's many, many concepts that we need to be understanding and, and work out what is better, what, what allows us to make sure that we maintain the maximum tax deductibility, what means that we're actually reducing an expense rather than in, than earning an income that's uh, tax payable. All these things come when you start to drill down on some of those concepts around, um, you know, as I said, offsets and redraws. Yeah, so le- there is leverage, there is a fair
1: productive bit. debt. Um, so that that you know, leverage is really powerful. You can then understand and appreciate the 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 benefits of cash on cash returns, which we talk about in here. But leverage, you know, is a, is is a powerful thing. It also carries risk with it. So you need to understand what you want to leverage into. So we always talked about, you know, people often have talked about good and bad debt. We actually talk about it more as as productive debt and bad debt. So we want to take on leverage to control the bigger assets so we can be in a position to um, get the appreciation on the higher valued asset. Um, So all debt is challenging, um, but if you use productive debt, uh, to be able to get you to where you want to get to. It's very powerful. So that's why borrowings um, is our second critical pillar for us.
0: Property investment formula, Ben, is made up of A for asset selection, B for borrowing power, C, Ben, for cash flow management. And uh, we think that we've been, um, we're really proud of the contribution that, uh, that we've been able to make through the property couch into this particular pillar because we've introduced the Money Smarts program, Ben. We've introduced the fact that you need to plan to become what you plan to become. We've We've talked many, many times about, okay, it's not just about um, acquiring properties without any end goal. It's about going, well, okay, where's my line in the sand? What do I want? How much do I want? We talked earlier in one of the earlier chapters about the, the four foundational levers. Well, that forms part of our cash flow management. So we go, okay, if I'm actually chasing, um, as our book says, Ben, $2,000 a week, but for some people it's 1500 some people it's 3000 some people it's 1000 So it's anywhere where you want it to be. But if we know what the end-finish line is, we can actually then put a plan in place to go, well, this is this is the reality of where I am right now, and this is the the strategy that I need to take to actually get to where I want to go. And what's for you, Ben, um, being that four years older than me, seems I'm, I'm so much younger than <laughs> oh, you. Oh, yeah, just a pup. I've got those four up my sleeve. So that means that the plan that I might need to do, Ben, might be different to the plan that you need to do and vice versa for, for a whole range of reasons. So it's about making sure we're clear on where we're going but trapping more, trapping more cash, turning it into um, an opportunity for us to leverage that into a destination that we know exactly what the path looks like.
1: Bryce, if there never has been a more important time that's really shown up in this country about people's ability to manage their money. Um, we've seen it evidenced in terms of not saving for rainy days. We've seen it evidenced in people accessing super, which is their money and all, all power yep. to them if they want to take it. But it just highlights that budgets don't work. And you know, this is the one of the first times we've we've talked about, you know, we had the foresight of understanding that from the late 2000s when we were teaching people how to budget and they weren't budgeting very well and, and then we implemented the Money Smart System, which is a rules-based system that gets people into that sort of formula. So it's absolutely critical if you're going to invest in property, you need to be organized in regards to your money management because you're going to be taking on debt and debt is dangerous in the wrong hands um, and it can also ground you out if you don't do it very well. So, from that point of view, I'm, I'm really pleased that we made sure that we weren't just talking about leverage and buying properties and that's all you need to worry about when it comes to property investing. It's not the truth. The truth is that there's two other critical components and that is obviously cash flow management and then the final um, element that we're going to be talking about in a moment uh, forms that piece as well. So I'm I'm really pleased that we rounded out the truth and didn't just focus in on the sexy stuff, which is the buying of the asset and basically getting the money and bragging about how many properties we've got. Um, It all comes undone if you don't manage your money properly um, and if you don't uh, have risk mitigation elements attached to it as well.
0: Yeah, cash flow management is the hardest bit to get to, Ben, because you're actually having to deal with um, future in the present, aren't you? You're trying, to, you're trying to deal with an outcome where you're creating a passive income. Here we are in 2020 and we might not be retiring until 2040 or 2050 or 2033 or whatever it looks like. So what we do know is a cup of coffee today is cheaper than a cup of coffee tomorrow because of the fact that inflation will do a little bit of the work to um, erode that. So that, that really is where um, not only do you need to know the moving parts, but you also need to be able to project into the future and bring it back now. There are some, some uh, one of our business partners, Michael Pope, is very, very smart at that sort of stuff, Ben. So it's allowed us the benefits of being able to, to do that, and our clients get the benefit of, of, of that wisdom and that experience. But um, for most folks, it's really okay, well, I can, put a, I can put a cash flow management in place for the next three years. But it's really about the, the 37 years after that, then, which, which becomes the challenging part.
1: Yeah, I mean, if cash flow management is about getting a return on your money and making your money work as hard as possible for you, if you master that component and then um, divest yourself of that surplus into accumulating assets, whether it be property, shares, or other elements of that, you are going to be well served in terms of having buffers, having emergency funds, um, and being in a position to. To give yourself some financial peace of mind um, over the longer term, so um, a critical a component of the property investment formula, and that's why um, I'm proud that we made sure we put it into our into our framework uh, when we uh, when we originally developed it in the early 2000s.
0: Now, folks, Ben and I are reading from Chapter 5 of our book, The Armchair Guide to Property Investing. So, we've been doing this week by week and we're pulling out the uh, property investment formula today. We've done the A, which is asset selection, B, borrowing power, C, cash flow management. Before we go to D in defense, Ben, if anyone wants to play along at home and they don't have a copy of our book, Mm -hmm. um, Ivis will pop up on the screen now um, that you can go to the armchair guide. It's been on the screen .au. all that
1: time which is really nice of survivors thank you Ivers all that time that work. yeah all it's great right. it's beautiful she's good. she's good she's good she just so if you want to get a,
0: a, she does if you want to get a copy of that um feel free to uh go to that website we'll send it out to you just tell us where to go pay for the shipping we'll send it out to you ben d is for defense i reckon this is uh easily uh the forgotten mm. pillar um the analogy I like to build, Ben, is if you've got a four-legged stool and you've only got three legs, it's only going to be you know a small amount of time before she falls over, right? Yeah. So you've got to have got to have all four legs. Um, so defence is really about okay, well, if we're going, to, if we know where we're headed, we know we're going to buy properties, we know we're going to get some finance to do that. We're actually putting ourselves into a position where, all right, we're we're prepared to self-fund our retirement, but we are. We are taking a a leap of faith in the fact that we know how to buy the right assets and we can manage the debt that comes with it. But some Mm -hmm. things are out of our control, Ben. Um, And really, uh, defense is really about saying, you as an income earner need to be protected because uh, the house of cards can come crashing down if for whatever reason, for something outside of your control, your ability to earn an income uh, either temporarily or worse permanently um, becomes an issue. That is not only going to be a problem for your accumulation activities, but it's also going to be a problem for you going forward, being able to provide uh, a level of of lifestyle. So um, D is often forgotten, Ben, but very, very important.
1: Yeah, so we're talking about several elements. I mean, until the next 20 years when your property is probably more important from a valuation point of view than you are when you start to stop producing income, Uh, you're the most important you and your partner or the household income is the most important um, element of building wealth for retirement so we need to protect you so income protection life trauma TPD those types of things should be blended into your cash flows and blended into your plan Um, in terms of from a property point of view um, yes we insure our car but in reality their cars are worth nothing these days we absolutely need to insure the property the building the contents and of course Uh, when you do get pandemics like these types of situations, you also need to be um, insuring against the tenant um, in terms of loss of rent or damage and those types of things. So mitigate that risk, mitigate the tenant risk, mitigate the property risk, and you can understand where we're going with this. And then the other one that we we sort of round this off in terms of defence, and that is surround yourself with a team of experts who can bring it all together for you um, and spell it out. Um, who spend their time um, doing, this, uh, doing this work. And I was talking to uh, a, a very successful uh, mortgage broker the other week, Bryce, and he had a great analogy around when you're starting to play sport. Um, and, and you know, we've used an analogy before about the coach is the most important thing, but isn't it interesting when you're socially playing, you spend less time practicing. When you actually become an amateur and just do social sport, you might train once a week. And then actually, you know what, as you get to a better grade, you start to train once to twice a week. And so you start to build that up. And then when you get to the professional ranks, you actually train more than you play. Well, that analogy sort of rings true for advisors. They obviously practice what they preach, the good ones do anyway. And then secondly, they're they're basically bringing groups of, of people through from novices and beginners right through to the pros. And they do that through designing a plan and executing on that plan. And they just get to do it more often than not. And so the reality is most, most advisors who have your best interests at heart, do it on the grounds that they have more time to spend on it. And no matter how quickly you try and catch up to them, the reality is that they're gonna have the 10,000 hours to get their expertise level up better than anyone else. So it's always good to lean on that expert team around you which consists of a property investment advisor, an accountant, uh, an investment saving mortgage broker, the conveyances, the building inspectors, all of those types of people, the buyers agents who execute on the asset selection and you round all of that out and you have this A team, this team that is going to deliver the goods for you um, as you invest in property.
0: I like it, Ben. I like that coach analogy. It's always good to try and draw a picture. The other one for defence is really about uh, the old-fashioned castles that have the moat around them, Ben. Yeah. Um, which is which is really setting them up to um, secure their their, um, their interests, uh, their yep. base, yep, uh, from from anything that's going to attack. So there you go, folks. The property investment formula is Chapter Five of our best-selling book here. Uh, the property investment formula is A. B, C, D, you need to master all four pillars, asset selection, borrowing power, cash flow management, defense. So uh, hopefully that's been helpful. We pull a few stories out, Ben. Uh, you and I get to um, uh, revisit some of the uh, the evergreen concepts that we wrote about five years ago to just prove that they still stack up, uh, not only in 2020, but they stand up, at, uh, stack up in a pandemic as well. So. Um, We'd love for people to get their hands on this, Ben. So thearmchairguide.com.au is where you can get that. We'll send it out to you. Uh, We have a podcast also, Ben, uh, that we do each and every Thursday. So so people can check that out at thepropertycouch.com.au. Hey there, folks. Bryce here again. Just want to check in to say thanks for tuning in to the latest episode of the podcast. Hopefully, it's adding some value and building a story on how you can create a $2,000 per week passive income in retirement so that you can design the lifestyle that you really want to achieve. Now, I'm super excited to say that I'm keen to get a copy of the book into your hands and I've made it super simple for you to be able to do that because Ben and I have bought a copy for you, we've paid for it, and all we need you to do is give us two things. One, tell us the address on where you'd like us to send it anywhere in Australia, and two, pay for the shipping to send it to you because we'll pay for the book if you pay for the shipping. So it's really simple. Just go to the leave your details there, and we will rush a copy out to you ASAP. And don't worry, given that you love audio because you're a podcast listener, we've got that solved too, because you can actually get access to the audio book as well. Once you put your details in for a small fee, you can upgrade to get the audio book version so that you can listen whilst reading along at home. So get yourself a copy. Go to thearmchairguide.com.